Single dad, why you mad? 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 My goodness. Waiting for the end to come. Yo, <laughs> state of the world. State of the world? State of affairs? State of everything. Man. Oh. Um. Uh, so, today, so today is May twenty third, twenty twenty. Just in case, um, you know, anybody's interested, right? And uh, I'm saying that because you know we record episodes, you know, um, well in advance, um, and we had a whole gang in the clip, um, and then we let that clip off. Uh, <laughs> so long. A week away from posting the next one on Sunday, um, we probably only have one in the clip, so we're recording one now. And uh, I'm gonna say uh, to all the single dad, why you mad family, um, welcome back to another episode of Single Dad, Why You Mad. And um, I hope and pray that everybody is staying safe um, and healthy and wise, and anything else that I could possibly think of. Yeah. Amen to that. Amen to that, man. Um, like, I, I think as I was leading off the same, man, the, the world has changed significantly since we last sat down, man. Um, when was the last time we recorded, that we actually recorded? Uh, three weeks ago. Wow. It seems like a world, a, 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 like a world away. You know, like a, an infinite amount of time ago. And real talk, like I've been pacing around the house like a caged tiger. Like, yo, Dave and I need to get up. We, we need to start talking about some of this shit that's going down. Um, from a global scale, from a local scale, personal scale. Just, you know, you, you want to just dive into it or something you want to address first? You know? um, so, uh why don't so there's a couple of things that i want to address right mm -hmm. um but you know i i'm going to try to do my best um you know to keep this to the time limit so that it's only on one episode and we don't have to because you know we start <laughs> going right? right right um but why don't you really quick just you know um how has it been for you and then i'm going to say how it's been for me you know um you know just recently like what do you what, what's the current crisis or situation you know, of the moment, and then we can dive in. All right, cool. So I'll start by saying, you know, everybody is, you know, healthy for the most part. Everybody is safe for the most part. I'm good, you know, old and tired, but I'm still happy. Can't complain. Um, the, I, actually, I'm lying. The one thing I will complain about is this distance learning shit. You know, teachers deserve all the money. Shout out to any teachers who are listening to us. Because this trying to teach homeschool my kids is going to be the death of me. Uh, I, e even my kids who care about school don't care about school right now. They're just, they're just done with this shit. They want the year to be over. They want to go back to some semblance of normal. And um, I still think that shit's going to be far away. Uh, so, you know, finally, for once, uh, Having a young kid 
uh, outweighs having older kids, right? So I'm usually complaining. I'm going through this, and you say, "Thank God those days are over," right? Yeah. Early potty training, you know, all that other sort of nonsense. Finally, it's over, right? Um, but for me, um, I'm good with respect to the home schooling because Miles don't require that much, right? Oh. He's in preschool. He's, you know, uh, learning how to write his name. That's all I got to work with him, you know, every day. You know, um, matter of fact, I'll even show you. Yeah, this, is, this is where we are with respect to him learning how to write his name. Wow. Right? And uh, it's been a joy. His handwriting is better than mine. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you know, he gets his S backwards. You know, and, you know, we talk about how it looks like a snake um, and he doesn't know how to do E's um, and he'll tell me, I don't know how to do an E. Uh, and I'll say, look at the one I did at the end and I'll hold his hand. And we checked in with his teacher yesterday. We do these video check-ins. like yeah. that, Right. And she says to me, he's way advanced past everybody else. So, you know, you don't really have anything to worry about. The other kids, you know, in the class at four years old, don't even want to hold a pencil. And we go with, and this was, you know, three months ago, four months ago, she said, you know, he actually holds the pencil right or holds the crayon right. And because I had been working with him on that, like we would come home from school every day and do what I called homework, where, you know, I showed them how to hold the pencil and you got to hold it like this and you got to write like this and make sure hold the other paper, hold the paper down with your other hand, you know? Um, so we had that under control. So, uh, my homeschooling is, is, is not a chore at all. You know, you, you were lucky because like there's some, some of my friends who have kids who are like Miles age, you know, their teachers are requiring and the school systems are requiring them to be on like these Google classroom sessions. So now you've got to herd this little teeny tiny person, get them to sit still in a room and pay attention to this video chat with their teacher and do whatever assignment it is, whether it's like recognize the color or, or something. But some school systems are putting like actual classes in place for these kids. At four years old? Dude, four and five years old. Four, five, okay. six-year-olds that I'm seeing. I, and like, sadly, some of my friends who have to do this with their little kids are also teachers. I'm like, man, listen. We, we need to start a GoFundMe for y'all or, or get a government grant or some shit. Cause trust me, it, it, enjoy this time, dude. Because yeah. pan- if, if this pandemic had happened when he was like 10, you, you'd be drinking. <laughs> so I'm good there, right? Um, um, so you already know, but um, yeah. the audience doesn't know, right? That um, with respect to health, uh, I'm good. Um, Miles is good. His mom is good, and uh, you know anything anybody that he comes into direct uh, contact with is also good. Um, but my brother um, didn't make it, and you already know this, but I'm just going to repeat, you know, um, so that the audience is aware, right? Yeah, absolutely. So on March 28th, so uh, my sister-in-law, his wife um, of 47 years. Um, they've been together since high school for 50 years. She uh, works as a nurse at a hospital for, you know, um, you know, I think like 30 years she's been at this one hospital, right? Where, you know, she runs the ward. 
She called or texted me the week after March 28th, so the first week in April, to say, listen, um, we're sick. Um, we've tested positive. Um, she knew that uh, something was wrong uh, on March 28th when she came home. The next day, um, she had a fever and a cough. Um, and she had also passed it on to two other people uh, in the house, my brother and uh, uh, her oldest grandson. He's about 14, 15. You know, they were getting their way through it, except the fact that she let me know that my brother, um, you know, who liked me, who liked probably a lot of men, you know, is a tough guy. I'm all right. I'm going to get through this. I don't need to take no medicine. I'm going to be all right. Right? And uh, he wasn't taking anything, I guess, to keep his fever down. I don't know exactly how it happened. But I remember calling a week later to check on him, right, to get on his ass about making sure, you know, he was working on his fever. And uh, she picked up the phone and said, we can't talk now. We're taking him to the hospital. So um, that's two weeks that's the second week in April, right? March, April. Yeah, that was the second week in April. Uh, a week after that, he was on a ventilator, and then he passed away May 5th, I believe it was, um, the first Tuesday in May. Um, and I'm going to go look for the exact date. But yes, May 5th, Cinco de Mayo. Um, and the toughest part about this, right, you know, is that, uh, he had to go through it alone. Right. Right. Which is, you know, what's horrible about this thing, right? You couldn't go be with him. Right. Um, I had a really good relationship from where I sit with my brother, you know, um, uh, their ma my mail goes to their house. Um, so I was, you know, up there, you know, as often enough to pick up my mail. You know, and whenever I went up there, you know, he'd be sitting up there watching Hondo or some other <laughs> cowboy movie. Um, matter of fact, let me go there. Right. Hang tight. The classics. Yeah. So my brother used to wear these cowboy hats all the time. Wow. <laughs> fucking no. And the shit used to get on my fucking nerves. Oh, God. He'd be walking around with these fucking cowboy hats. <laughs> In case anybody was interested at all. Rock that. Look at this nonsense. Yeah, I, I'm laughing because I don't know if you ever met my Uncle Noel, one of my mother's brothers. He, he passed away a couple of years ago, and he absolutely would come through with hats like that on occasion. He, he had, the, he had the, the black And he would wear cowboy boots also. Oh, spurs on them. With spurs? Yeah. And the shit used to get on my fucking nerves every time I went up there. He'd be watching these cowboy movies, you know, these with these, you know, um, I don't remember seeing any white, I don't remember seeing any brothers in them, but, uh, you know, Kondo and, 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 you know, you, you know what I'm right. talking about. The John Wayne. Wait, one John Wayne and Clint Eastwood yeah. joints. No, not the Clint Eastwood. So I actually like the Clint Eastwood joints. You yeah. know what I'm saying? The Spaghetti Western. The spaghetti Western, yeah. Yeah, I actually like those joints. I would watch those joints. For, no, I'm talking about the ones that were on TV regular series. <laughs> oh, shit. And, he oh, go, and, I, and, I, and I used to go up there and sit with him, you know, and, and while I'm getting my mail and say to Tiny, what are you watching this shit for? And he's like, Dave, man, you don't understand, man. You know, the cowboys, where you think the word cowboys came from? Because they called us boys and we was the ones out and, 
dealing with the cows and the horses and the, we the original cowboys. All right. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, I mean, his history is right from the uh, to a degree, but the shows ain't like <laughs> correct. My point his history is right. He got that part right, but yeah. um, you know, uh, yeah, they wasn't showing no brothers in any of these movies. Oh my god, Hondo um, and uh, what was the Bonanza and all that. Shit. Exactly, Bonanza, all of those. Um, <laughs> you'd be up there watching that stuff, right? Oh man. Um, but but you know, like I say, like I was saying, the sad thing is that he had to go through this by himself. He had to be there by himself, right? Yeah, and. Uh, you know, I remember the first time when I said to myself, I don't think my brother's going to make it is when his kidneys went, right? Which is something that I hear often, you know, right. when you get sick with this thing, one of the first things that happen, you lose your sense of smell, you lose your sense of taste, and your kidneys go, right? right. Um, uh, on CNBC the other day, they were interviewing, you know, the rapper Scarface, who, you know, made it through. And yeah, he's on dialysis now. His kidneys, he said, was the first thing. Yeah, but, uh, you know, and, you know, did my brother have any underlying conditions? Not that I know of. I mean, he was a little bit overweight, but, you know, not yeah. that I know of, right? Um, but he was, uh, you know, 68 years old. As a matter of fact, his birthday was May 13th, um, wow. a week after he passed away. Yeah, when his kidneys went, I, I remember saying to myself, fuck, I don't think my brother's going to make it. And then for a week after that, maybe even two weeks after that, right? It was always, he's steady, he's steady, he's steady. The ventilator's not operating at maximum, he's steady, he's steady. And I'm saying to myself, they say they got him prone, meaning laying over on his stomach or on his side so that his lungs don't work as hard. Right. You know, I did a lot of research on this thing, right? Um, and I'm saying to myself, okay, maybe he's going to make it. And when he comes home, I'll be able to fuck with him about how he ain't getting one of my kidneys. <laughs> and then I remember I'm sitting, you know, here in the house and the phone rings. It's my sister-in-law. And I'm thinking, you know, the call is, you know, um, he's coming off the ventilator or something like that. And, you know, we had already put him on DNR. He was a Jehovah's Witness. You know, um, that was his preference. Um, even though, you know, we gave him a blood transfusion and stuff like that, we had already put him on DNR. Right. Because that was his wish. She said, David, he just passed. This was at 520. Jeez. Yeah. And I was like, what? And I just couldn't believe it, right? Um, so, you know, for all the people out there who, you know, are parenting and parenting through or with corona, it's difficult, right? You know, and I'm going to circle back to, you know, not being able to be with him in a second, but, right? So the first thing I said to myself, right, is I need to go be with my family. Right. But a bunch of people up there, you know, my sister-in-law and one of my nephews had had it already, right? And I'm concerned and his, you know, Miles' mom is concerned, right? So I take him over to her house. You know, we had a little, uh, you know, spat about it, you know, in the beginning. But I said, I'm going up there, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, I took him over to her house and then I went up there. You know, I sat with them for a little bit. That's when I got his hat. And, um, you know, they were gracious enough to let me have it. Um, and then when I came back, Miles had to be with his mom until I got tested, right? You know, even though everybody had made it through, you know, you just want to be careful, right? Right. So the next day on Wednesday, I go to get tested and they can't do, you know, the active test, meaning is there anything in your body active now? Because you need three to five days or whatever right. it is, right. you know, for it to, you know, whatever, whatever the word is, it ingest, 
you know, get busy, whatever it is. Um, but he took my blood to see if I had been infected and had already had antibodies. I got that back the next day. And then that Saturday, um, we went up um, because my sister-in-law was able to find a funeral home that would let us view him. Which is, you know, way out of the, 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 the realms, but they allowed us to do it. We said we were coming with about nine people. They had set up chairs so that, you know, everybody could sit apart. Um, we never sat in them goddamn chairs. You know, we hugged each other and, you know, um, I did a brief uh, uh, memorial. Um, and I was able to, and, and I'm really proud of myself for this. I'm really happy, you know, for this. But I was able to set up a Zoom so that all of my family and friends, you know, could join, right? You know, people who had met him, um, the pe- you know, as my friends, um, I had a party in my house two or three years ago uh, to celebrate like their 45th wedding anniversary, you know, and a bunch of my friends were there and we had cake and they got to meet him, you know, and I talked about, you know, um, you know, uh, my sister-in-law and his relationship since day one, you know, I often tell the story about how one time when he was young, he wanted to go out with his best friend, James, and Marilyn nailed his shoes to the floor. <laughs> and my brother's not very smart. And he put his feet in the shoes um, that was sitting by the side of the bed and went to stand up to walk and fell over. How do you not at least check your shoes? And, you know, before, you know, you just get up, you just... That you see them sitting there before you just stick your feet in them and fly and walk away. Huh? I love my brother. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I love my brother, right? Um, but, uh, you know, there's a lot of, you know, memories I have like that. She nailed his shoes to the floor. That's some heavy mood shit. <laughs> he was living with his, her mother in the projects. You know how, you know how much you know how much work you got to do to nail, and those were, remember the penny loafers that you had yeah. to penny in? Yes. The burgundy joints? Yeah. That's what he had. And she nailed his shoes. And I'm talking about how she, how she, well, how he ain't do this. Hey, what were you doing while she was nailing your shoes to the floor? He was in the shower. He's getting ready. James oh. in the living room saying, come on, Tyler, let's go. Marilyn's yelling out of the room. James, mind your fucking business and shut the fuck up. Marilyn's mother's in the room. Marilyn, you leave that boy and let him go ahead and leave that boy alone. Let him go out with his friends. You know the angle that you got to nail in so that he don't see the nail? Oh, how fast you got to do it. Listen, listen. And nobody hurt the bagging? Exactly. My point exactly. My point exactly. I I, I smell a set up. Whenever we get together, whenever the family gets together, I always tell this story, right? Um... But, uh, you know, you know, to, get, to getting back to, to um, being alone, right? Yeah. Um, so when I was 18, uh, my wisdom teeth came in. Uh, they were impacted. So they came in, you know, the skin grew over them, food got caught in them. You know, it was bad for me. I had to go to, sur- you know, surgery to have yeah. to take out. You know, this is, you know, 36 years ago, right? Uh, Jacoby Hospital. Uh, there were no semi-private rooms. There were, you know, no private rooms. I was in a room with probably eight to 12 other people yep. all sitting across each other. You know, I'm not even sure they had curtains separating the beds at that time, right? I remember I felt alone 
and afraid. My first time ever having surgery, my first time ever being in the hospital. I grew up with asthma, but I was never in the hospital, right? I got up to go to the bathroom. And on my way to the bathroom, or on my way coming back from the bathroom, I look down the hallway, and there's my brother. Stop at the nurse's desk. I'm looking for my brother. He's peeking into every room on his way down the hallway. I'm looking for my brother. I'm looking for my brother, right? And then he looks up, and he sees me, and he says, oh, there you go. And he comes walking toward me with that smile on his face. And he had this, this, this brown paper bag under his arm. Um, and I often, you know, I don't remember exactly what was in there, but for some reason, you know, pajamas and comic books is what sounds familiar. Yeah. And that's the dude he was. You know what I'm saying? He was always there for me. He always showed up for me. And it was just sad that, you know, I couldn't be there and show up for him. You know, not because I didn't want to, but because we weren't allowed to. You know, the fact that I was able to broadcast this Zoom and everybody could be there with him really made me proud that I was able to do for him in a way what he had done for me all my life. That made me proud. I feel good. I felt great about that. So um, one of the other things that, you know, I've realized um, as a result of uh, this is that uh, I am now at the tender age of 54, the patriarch of my family. Oh, Jesus Christ. I am the oldest male Crockett. I have three nephews, one, two, three, four nieces. Um, I have two other sisters that are both older than me. Um, uh, uh, A whole bunch of grand nieces and nephews. I am the old, and a re- there's a responsibility that comes with that. Hence me sitting in the background going, oh, oh, Jesus Christ. And that, you know, that's one of the things I wrote and talked about, you know, um, you know, that this is a big responsibility. This is a big job. I am to set the tone, to continue the tone. I don't have to set the tone. It's already been laid. You right. know what I'm saying? The blueprint. Exactly. My father, you know, was there for his family, raised his kids. Raised, you know, adopted two other kids and raised them. Um, you know, my brother, you know, did the same thing. He's got two kids. My nephews have learned that lesson. I have that lesson. You know, it's about family. It's about taking care of and, and, and being there for and setting a role and an example for this family. And that's my job. Um, one of these days I will pass that job on to one of my nephews. I'm not worried about, you know, that. Death anymore, you know. I used to be, but uh, you know, you look at my face right now. I've begun to accept all of these grays that are all over this face. Could they come no with more, hard work? No <laughs> more, no more Grecian formula. This is what it is: Grecian gray away, whatever the fuck they call it. As you're saying, like being the patriarch of your family, I was like, yeah, my uncle's still here. Good, keep keep riding, old dude. Keep riding. Love you. Like there, there is a level of responsibility that comes with it. There's yeah. a level of responsibility, and you know, it just takes this adulting shit to a new level. Yeah. You know, a new plateau. Man. And, you know, a, a bunch of my friends signed on, and they thanked me for letting them be part of the memorial. You know? I mean, you go to a funeral, you know, you know you're really happy to see a whole bunch of people there, a whole bunch of friends that you haven't seen, you know, in a while. Yeah. You know, to help see your people off. Listen, and it's just, you know, because you got to be alone in this thing, you know, because they're alone in this thing, you know, I, I, I just didn't see another way to, you know, be able to bring them in. But yeah, that was good. It was good for me. 
I feel really good about that. I felt like I was actually on a high about yeah. it, you know, for a while. And I'm not going to say that, you know, it's not going to hit me and that I'm not going to get sad again about my brother, right? But um, I'm feeling good about, you know, how we sent him off. I can allow yourself to feel that. Allow yourself to feel that lately. So, um, on the parenting front, yeah. and on the uh, uh, co-parenting front, we are coming up on our one-year anniversary. Right. And I wow. thought that one of the good things to talk about is how has the relationship uh, changed between you and your co-parent in the last year? Wow. Is that all? Do you want to go first, or do you want me to go first? Uh, why don't you go first? Ah, uh, so the the relationship between me and my co-parent has always been very much like watching a volleyball match or a tennis match. It, it goes back and forth. You know, we have times where we have absolutely had each other's backs and, you know, on the same page with a lot of stuff. And then there are other times where we are like, you know, you know what? Fuck you. Don't come around here for a little bit. Or don't come out here at all and don't speak for months at a time. Um, I would say on the tail end of this podcast, there are a lot of things that we've developed a lot better understanding of each other for and through. Because it's it's been me, you know, pretty much on a weekly basis having a candid conversation about my life and, and airing this shit out. And, you know, whether she chooses to listen or somebody else says, yo, did you hear about this, what have you, or even and this as a format to help me think things through before I approach them or engage in a conversation. I, I, I would like to say that in a lot of ways, our relationship has gotten better over you know, the past year. I'm not sure I can say that. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, good news, not the bad news. Well, I'm, I'm, you know, but we're still in court. I mean, how much of that actually has to do with, you know, the the court system, which is one of the things that I, you know, definitely wanted to talk about, especially at this time during Corona, right? right. Um, my reactions, I think, have changed. Every now and then, you know, I'll still send a Are you fucking crazy, you know, type text message. Every now and then, I have, I, 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 I don't understand. Right. I don't understand what's going on. You know, um, and, you know, it just don't make no sense to me. But, uh, you know, I think, you know, the amount of times that I react um, and or how I allow, you know, things that I don't understand or that don't make sense to me to affect me um, in what I'm doing and how I'm feeling, you know, that is now absolutely de minimis. Right. But uh, we're still in court. Once we get past that, I am hoping you know, that things change. And we're not in court, you know, for the custody side now. We're in court, you know, for the financial side, right? Right. But um, speaking of court, so I sent you a letter, a letter that I wrote to the courts, you know, last year. And I was looking, you know, to hear, you know, what you had to say about it, right? Yeah. But, you know, basically in summarizing, you know, I was expressing to the senior judge, the judge that's supposed to be running stuff over there, right? That um, I believe, you know, that there is bias, you know, from a gender perspective and from a uh, race perspective, you know, against me in that court. Not just in the courtroom itself, 
but in the building, right? Right. Um, and I wrote that May 10th of last year to the senior judge while we were in the middle of a hearing on custody. Right. And I asked that the judge be removed from um, uh, the case, right? Um, and there was still time to do that because, you know, a decision on our case didn't come until the end of June, even though I wrote and delivered that on April 10th. The court senior judge um, didn't respond to me until after we had already received a ruling on our case, not immediately after either. Right. Um, they did it in September. So the decision was rendered in June? June. Right. And three right. months later, you received a response from the judge. From the judge where that I complained to the senior judge over there. Right. Um, so, you know, in a nutshell, um, I said, I am writing to express concern for what I believe to be bias against me in this court during the above referenced hearings, and that this bias is directly related to my gender and race. I am an African-American man currently seeking to modify the current custody order, and then I named the judge. As I have expressed in court on multiple occasions, including the first hearing um, and every hearing since, I am petitioning the court to be granted physical custody of my son. Um, by that, as I have expressed at every hearing, I am requesting that the court modify the existing order so that my son lives with me and that I decide day-to-day -day issues regarding him and that my home be his legal residence. I have also expressed um, during these hearings on multiple occasions that this is not a petition for legal custody. Now, one of the reasons I mentioned that is because the judge and the opposing counsel kept saying legal custody. He's looking for legal custody. He's looking for legal custody. Right. You know, legal custody and physical custody are two different things in case everybody doesn't know. Um, legal custody means that he's with me and you get visitation, but everything is on me. Right. Physical right. custody means that he just lives with me the majority of the time. I am the custodial parent. We still share legal decisions. Like, I can't carry him outside the country without your permission. Right. That sort of stuff, right? Um, you know, I can't change his name, his last name, without your permission. I can't move to another state, you know what I'm saying, without, you know, um, keeping you aware of it. You know, legal custody, you can pretty much do whatever it is you want to do. Right, because so that's your only parent with responsibility for the child. Exactly. So I talked about during a hearing in April 19th, I voiced to the um, judge my concern for the microaggressions I experienced in this court. Um, and then I named one of them. One was that, you know, holding both parties to the same standard of court proceedings, right? I was not allowed to argue points that were not detailed in my, my petition. So you write a petition to the court saying, this is what I want. And if you leave something out, like if you're saying you don't want, you know, um, you're not looking for the child to be with you on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, you can't go and argue that because that's not in your petition. Right. The idea is that whatever you're arguing, the other side needs ample time, time to, to prepare to argue back. And if you show up with some surprise of something that you're asking for, you didn't give the other side ample opportunity to prepare to argue back, right? So because my petition didn't include a bunch of things, they said you can't argue that. If you want to argue that, you got to go re-amend your petition. They made me go back and amend my joint three times in order to argue everything that I was looking for, right? right. But I said, you ain't forced them to do that. They was arguing stuff all the time that had nothing to do with what was in their petition. The other thing I said, you know, is that at one point, you know, the, the lawyer on the other side was speaking and I interrupted him. And the judge turns to me and says, Mr. Crockett, do not interrupt Mr. Schreyer when he's speaking. And I said, dude, he's done that to me a hundred times. You ain't never said nothing. His answer to that was, well, I'll allow that. I'll allow him to do that. 
It was yeah. no, no real answer. You're right. So one of the things the judge said is that he has reviewed, like he went off the record for a second, right? right? And he says, so I have reviewed all of the documents here, and I would not render a decision um, without having the case completed. But from where I sit, I see no reason to uh, award legal custody to Mr. Crockett. Maybe you guys want to go and settle this out. So we go out in the room. We talk a little bit. I basically told, you know, the other side, you can go fuck yourselves. And we go back into the courtroom and, you know, the judge says, okay, no settlement. So let's proceed. And I said, well, judge, before we proceed, I want to be clear about something, right? That I have said not only once, twice, but at least four times. And it's in the record that I'm not looking for legal custody. So if the court has truly read through all the documents, why is it that the court still thinks that I'm looking for legal custody? Because he ain't paying attention to sure. what I'm right. Because what I say goes in one ear and out the other. And what was the response to that in the court? He said, well, he just asked me to repeat what I thought I meant. Like, I don't know what I'm talking about. Right. What do you think legal, the difference between legal custody and physical custody is, Mr. Crockett? And I explained it to him. And he was like, oh, okay. Like he, like, he hadn't heard this before. Right. And I actually went through the documents because I ordered all the transcripts. And, like, I got a photographic memory like that. And right. I actually went through all the documents, and I saw at least two or three occasions where he had himself said, Mr. Crockett is not looking for legal custody. He's looking for physical. So the fact that he would mention that, again, I just said, this is nonsense. So um, I asked that he be removed from the case. You know, um, they never responded right, um, until September 3rd, after the case was over. And I want to read their letter verbatim, right? Uh, Dear Mr. Crockett, um, I am a court attorney for the Honorable, and he names the senior judge, supervising judge of New York Family Court. Your May 10th letter um, addressed to uh, the senior judge um, of Family Court regarding the custody and visitation cases pending before a judge, um, and then they name, you know, uh, the, the judge, problem judge, uh, were referred to me for response. So the judge herself, she ain't going to respond. She had her lawyer to respond. Well, how do you think that is? Because they know there's some bullshit going on, and they want to make sure the shit is on the record. Sure. They cover in their bases, right? So they say, in your letter, you complain that uh, referee, you know, I'm not going to name him, his court and the entire family court building at 60 Lafayette have exhibited biases and subjective value-based judgments, including gender bias toward black men. You ask that referee, and they name him again, be removed from your case and that it be reassigned to another referee. Although judge, they named the senior judge there, the person I wrote to in the first place, um, is, the, is the supervising judge, she is um, ethically barred from commenting on or intervening in a matter pending before another family court jurist. Upon reviewing the record, it appears that um, my judge recently issued a final order on the pending petitions, and that you have filed an appeal of that order to the first department appellate division, which is the only court empowered to review that judge's order. Family court is dedicated to treating all litigants with respect and fairness and takes seriously all feedback. Thank you for taking the time um, to bring in your observations and concerns to our attention. What did you hear there? What did I hear or, or, or what do I feel, feel the underlying First, let's start with what did you hear in their response? Right. So, uh, so what I heard in their response was we have received your letter. We are unable to comment on ongoing cases 
your case is still considered ongoing because you have filed an appeal, and the people that you complain to are the right people to help you out. Or the people that you filed the appeal to are the right people to help you out with this situation. And we want to reassure you that we do not tolerate this kind of mess. That's the legalese of it all. That's what I think it, I heard as you were reading it all. What I think the underlying message is. The subtext. The subtext. <laughs> is, the subtext. I, we hear what you're saying. I'm not touching this shit with a 10-foot pole. Go talk to these dudes. That's it. And go talk to these dudes means, oh, you filed an appeal? Yeah, let, let the appeals court take care of it. Um, we're not condoning bad behavior, but we're also not going to do shit about it. Okay. That, that's what I take away from it. All right. And anybody who has a far deeper legal background than either of us, you're listening to this, DM us, let us know where we went wrong. Educate us, please. And in my original letter, with respect to the family court, you know, and I think I've talked about this before, but, you know, I'll just really say is that, you know, my first time there, um, and I talk about this in the letter, I name it in the letter, my first time there, um, you know, I ask, you know, this officer um, at the front, you know, that's as soon as you walk in, that's a security thing, what time does any window open? And his response to me is, when were you served? <laughs> that's your natural assumption, right? Right, right. Yeah, um, I get to the window when it does open, and I'm telling them what I want, and they're looking at me like I have an eye. I say I'm looking, you know, uh, to get legal custody, or, or not legal custody, to get, you know, to be the parent in residence of my kid, you know, and, you know, the response to me is, well, who does he live with now? He lives with me. And, you know, this is a black woman looking at me like I have an eye in the middle of my forehead. Right. Saying, you know, well, if you want to do anything like that, you're going to have to go get his birth certificate. What makes you think I don't have my kid's birth certificate already? And, you know, when we, the first time I ever sat in court, they automatically sit me in the, you know, person who's responding, not the person who filed the complaint. And when, you know, my son's mom, you know, um, says, yeah, he's looking for, to, to get child support out of, out of me, you know, a black, you know, female um, uh, court officer laughs out loud. Like it's a joke. Like, you know, why would I feel safe? in a place like this? Why would I feel like I'm going to get justice in a place like this, right? Um, so like I said, we are in uh, support court right now. I filed a petition and she filed a petition. In my petition, I'm looking, you know, for her to pay her fair share of, you know, daycare, health care, and all that other sort of stuff that goes along. Right. Um, in her petition, she's looking for what they call continued support. Continued support is, you know, I make... Uh, uh, $1 a year, you make 50 cents a year. Because I make more than you, I have to pay you X number of dollars simply because um, we don't want the child to experience a different living, um, a different status of living. You right. know, that's the way it works. And that makes absolute sense to me, right? Um, I just have a problem as to where they draw the line. Like, you know, if you make, you know, $70,000 a year, and I make $80,000 a year, what's the difference in the living? Right. It's negligible. That it's negligible. Right. Right. So where's the line? Where do you cross the line? Yeah, and that's, a, that's an interesting conversation. It's so funny um, because if there's anything that my ex-wife and I tend to put heads on, it tends to be that. Right? So if I was, you know, a millionaire 
if I was in the NBA, if I was in the NFL, if I was just, you know, a, this, 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 you know, uh, $500 an hour lawyer and I'm making, you know, um, half a million dollars a year and you're making $30,000 a year, I got it. Right. I absolutely agree. Right. Um, you know, if I'm making $100,000 a year and you're making $25,000 a year, then yes, I agree. Right. There should be, you know, something to level out. But, you know, if I'm making $100,000 a year and you're making $70,000 a year, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't agree. I don't agree. Well, I don't believe that there is a difference in, 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 in a living arrangement. I don't think that $30,000 a year or that 30% or 20% or whatever else it is truly equals a, a different living arrangement. And so here's, here's the other side of the not the other side, but an, an additional argument in the equation is at what point does the higher wage earner no longer have responsibility for the lower wage earner's lack of income, right? If you want, if you if you ain't interested in doing nothing but fucking shaking fries at McDonald's, why am I? Let me take shaking fries away from it. Right. You decide you want to be an artist, so you went and and, and got some job that doesn't re, you know require much effort. So you don't make as much money, right? You know, or, or it requires effort, and the results are subjective as fuck. Right? So use an artist as, as, as yeah. it is. Right? You decide that's what you want to do. You know, the other side of that is also though you got to know who you're getting in with, right? Right. If, if that's the person that you're getting in with, you know, you, you got to be aware of that. You know, before you let loose in them in the first place. So, to your point, that the vi the optics of a man in a legal and court proceeding and a man's responsibility to provide for his family are completely different from the optics and responsibilities for, as they, they relate to be a woman. So when people hear me talk about the court system and what I'm going through in the court system and paying money for, you know, or how much I'm paying, you know, um, and all that other sort of stuff, right? I'm pretty sure that the immediate response to that for people who don't know any better or for people who even do know um, is, well, you know, she raising your kid, so yeah, she should get something. No, no. My kid lives with me 50% of the time, if not more. As a matter of fact, I right. did the fucking math on it. I actually counted up all the days. He's with me five days more a year than he is with her on every calendar year. The right. only year it even becomes remotely close is when Christmas and New Year's falls on a Monday. Then we're even. Outside of that, so that's only every seven years. Outside right. of that, he is with me five days more a year than he is with her. Right. So this is not like, you know, because a bunch of women, they see this as, well, I'm raising him. He's with me all the time, so you should pay your fair share. You should pay. No, that's not the way it is in my situation. He lives with me, spends the night with me, just as much, if not more, than he does with his mom. So, and, and, and so that's the thing. It goes back to perception, breeding, reality, right? So that was a major thing like, when I was on that mom's chat the other day where a lot of the women were like, yeah, you know, my kid's father, he's not in the picture at all. Or my kid's father, you know, like he pays nothing at all. In those situations, he should absolutely have to pay. I agree right. 100%. Right, right. And, but but the, the responses that you tend to get from the audience and, and from people is from that perspective. 
that that's what they see or that's what they hear anecdotally. So they believe wholesale, oh, this is the way the system should work, versus you know actually doing a census, actually you know, doing the body of research, actually having the conversation, realizing like, yo, you have a lot of fathers who are active in their kids' lives who are primary parent or at least or at least 50-50 custody, you know, and getting shellacked by the system because that's the way the system says it should work. Speaking of that, I received a letter, a form letter, from the New York State Family Court System. Yep. Speaking of shellacking, right? Oh, no, Jesus. That says, please read the following information and contact us immediately. Our records indicate that you are in receipt of child support services from us. However, and this is because I filed a petition, right? Right. So you file a petition, you're in the records now, they're going to send you regular letters that say, you know, this is what you need to do, this is what you need to do, we need it. You have this. You are here, right? Uh, our record, however, we have been unable to contact you and are unable to take the next step in your child support case because we need information you may have or we need you to cooperate with our efforts. Common reasons why we are unable to take next step in your child support case include, and then they get two bullets. In the first bullet, we do not have your most recent address and telephone number on record or Second bullet, we need basic information concerning the non-custodial parent slash punitive father, such as full name, social security number, and or current mailing residential or business address. Even in your statement, <laughs> even in the form letter, there is an inherent sexual bias against the father. So you caught that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Say it again. Repeat that shit. Even in a form letter, there is obvious bias against the father. Why? Tell me why. Tell now, and when I say why, tell me because it might have got passed. What did what did you hear in this letter? What did you because I said it to you? What do you right. read? What is the specific statement that shows the, bias in this the letter? Punitive father. Not punitive parent. Not punitive mother or father. Mother. The punitive father. father. The next, first of all, how does a letter like this get out of the fucking state office without some fucking lawyer reviewing this shit and saying this is probably not a right thing to send out? We might have a problem here. That's like Gucci sending out some fucking face, some fucking sweater with the fucking face mask that looks like the fuck with the big lips over the fucking shit. Coolest monkey in the jungle. Cool. That's like somebody sending H and M sending out some shit. Coolest monkey in the jungle. And nobody looking at this bitch and saying, "Hey, maybe this isn't the right thing to fucking send out." No, no lawyer looked at this fucking letter and said to themselves, "They ain't got no black lawyers. They ain't got no black male lawyers." Probably not. Probably not. Or, or the other side is there could have been a black male lawyer who's got his own bullshit going on. You know what I'm saying? Maybe he wasn't raised with his father or whatever else it is, and his mom was a single mom, whatever else it is, who struggled, and he was like, yeah, okay, I don't see nothing wrong with this. Yeah, it's always the punitive father. Right. Well, here's the crazy thing. That goes even further than race. That goes to the conversation that I have with women a lot of times, and I said, listen, just because I am pro-man, you know, or I advocate for certain things for guys where we don't have the space or voice, doesn't mean I'm anti-woman. 
yes, there's absolutely a lot of shit and a lot of disservice and a lot of injustices perpetuated upon women in this world. That's just the way shit has historically been. And to, to deny it, like, you got to be blind as fuck. But you have to be equally blind to realize that there are a lot of situations where men are taken advantage of and given the short end of the stick solely because they're men. And I get it, right? I get it. I get the fact that, you know, uh, if you look at the numbers, there's probably way more men that um, um, are not doing, you know, what they should be doing versus women. There's right. probably way more women who are taking care of kids and, and not receiving support than there are men taking care of kids and not receiving the proper support. I get it. But that doesn't mean you can send out some blanket shit like this. Right. So, I'm getting ready to sue the state of New York and the family court system. You don't believe me? Watch my motherfucking smoke. I'm going to sue wow. these bitches. I'm going to sue these bitches and, further, and file a cease and desist. You will see me on the news, bitch, because I'm not taking this shit lying down. If I go to jail... I'm fighting. I'm, you ain't just taking this ass. I'm fighting. I'm fighting. I'm not just giving it up. I'm going to fight. I might lose, but that's not going to stop me from fighting. So, legalese in me is starting going, okay, have you have you contacted an attorney? Are you allowed to talk about this on the podcast while this is a, a pen and legal action? So, 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 I got my own problem with attorneys, right? Yeah. Um, first of all, I beat the shit out of that motherfucker that I was up against um, in court. Um, I was just in housing court up in the fucking Bronx over my apartment. I beat the shit out of them motherfuckers. I ain't scared of these fucking lawyers. I am not worried about this. I, you know, got hurt in Pennsylvania in 2010 and uh, went up against the state of Pennsylvania by myself for the majority of the time and whipped their ass. These lawyers ain't that. I'm sorry if there's any lawyers listening here, um, but they ain't that smart. These motherfuckers ain't breaking down no walls. They ain't doing no Brown versus the Board of Education. These motherfuckers is just repeating what the fuck somebody else wrote someplace else. All you gotta do is read. It ain't that hard. It ain't that hard. And if it gets to the point where I need a lawyer, then yeah, I'll absolutely do that. So when I got hurt in Pennsylvania 10 years ago, you know, um, I was filed, I filed a suit against the state of Pennsylvania and I was kicking their ass all through it. Now, when we got ready to go to trial, I hired a lawyer. Why? Because I am not a litigator. Sorry, I'm a litigator. I'm not a trial person. I don't know when to object. You know, I don't know when to um, um, say, uh, you know, you're leading the witness. You know what I'm saying? Or that's outside the scope and all that other sort of stuff. That back and forth rhetoric they do in court, that, you know, I'm not good at. But, um having 30 days to sit down and write a response to a brief based upon some prior case law, I can do that shit all day. The motherfuckers don't think you have the time to do it. They hoping you just another and that's the difference. Yeah, they just think you another nigga. I got, I work from home all the time. I got, I got all the time that, that, you know what I'm saying? I got nothing but time when it comes to kicking somebody's ass. I got nothing but time. I love to read. You got the wrong motherfucker if you think I ain't interested in reading or writing. I love to read and write. Hide that shit in a book. They're going to find it. <laughs> yeah. 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 You look up a song, ask David for it. He'll find And I have a photographic memory like that. So things that make sense jump out at me. 
So like when the guy said the thing about looking for legal custody, you know what I'm saying? The first thing I did, I object. And, you know, they're like, well, what are you objecting to? I never said nothing about no goddamn legal custody. And the fact that you guys keep bringing that up shows how you look into slander and make me seem like I'm trying to take a child away from a mother. And don't nobody want to take a child. So I say this all the time. I don't say this all the time, but I feel this way, right? Um, this is not going to go well, right? Um, and I know it's not. You know, you may lose a couple of listeners, especially females, after I say this, right? Right. Oh, oh, oh hold on. <laughs> Should we take a deep breath? Brace yourself. Daddy's getting ready to take you for a ride. Uh, here we go. Oh, shit. How often have you heard somebody say, um, that guy don't pay his child support. He don't come see his kid. He don't do this. He don't do that. He ain't, he ain't shit. He ain't shit. And your girls be patting you on the back about that shit. That's right. He ain't shit. He ain't right. shit. But let this shit be switched. And let a dude start talking about how uh, she don't um, help pay for this. She don't do that. She ain't pick her kid up. She ain't shit. She ain't shit. She ain't shit. The first thing out of everybody's mouth, male and female. Dude, you can't talk about your son's mom like that. She gave him birth. She did this. She she carried him around for nine months. How come it's okay oh, to say... Wait, wait. Take it, take it a step further. Yo, you can't take care of your kids on your own. Why do you need her money? Say it again. You can't take care of your kids on your own. Why do you need her money? Listen, we're going to get there. I'm so we're going to get there. So that, we're gonna so get there. That, becomes a, that becomes another equation. We're going to get there. So I'm getting ready to sue these motherfuckers, right? Um... But my problem also with the courts, right, is that we are in Corona right now, right? What? So you guys are shut down, right? Shut down. We were supposed to have a hearing on April 28th. That hearing did not happen. They just sent the letter probably about 10 days after April 28th or probably a week ago to say, hey, so um, uh, all cases are shut down. Your case will be rescheduled as soon as the judge gets to you, right? But right now, there is a temporary order in place where I pay out to her. Right. So right now, I pay for everything and pay for her. And that's not going to change. Until courts reopen, until you have that conversation. Yeah. Right. So right, wrong, or indifferent, they automatically award what they call a temporary payment to the person that makes less money. Right. That's automatic off the books, right? I do not believe that they would have made that decision if they looked at the numbers and said, well, you know, like, let's just say I make $1 and she makes um, uh, uh, 70 cents. Uh, so they said, okay, David, you have to pay her X number of dollars, you know, temporary until, you know, this thing comes to resolution, right? And I get that, right? We don't want the kid to suffer, right? Right. But I do not believe that if the situation were reversed and I made, and she made $1 and I made 70 cents, that they would have awarded me some sort of temporary thing. I think they would have said, oh, well, that's, that's not, that's, that's, you know, that's inconsequential. That difference is inconsequential. I believe that. You know, what I think, I think the difficulty is historically they wouldn't, but occasionally it does happen. But it's the few and far between. It's the few and far between, and it really depends on the judge and the precedent that has been set in his mind. So, two, so, so here's my evidence for it. Two right. years prior to that, we were also in support court, right, when we got our first order. And, and, and one of the things that the judge said when we went to support court after looking at the order and seeing that we basically shared our child 50-50, without even looking at income, 
this was a different judge, but without even looking at income, he said, I wouldn't give anything to either one of you. And she said, why not? And, I, and he said, because you're basically sharing the kids. So I don't see any reason that either one of you, unless he makes 10 times more than you, I see no reason to give you anything. Right. And that would be the same thing for him. So because I had filed that petition, they paid no attention to it because it was right down the middle with respect to how much time he spends with everybody. Right. That's my, that's my evidence for it. That's going into my lawsuit when I sue these bitches. <sighs> anyway, yeah, we've been at this for a long time, right? Um, yeah. And we need to wrap up. Um, you got any final thoughts? You got anything else you want to add? Nah, man. Nah, I'm just waiting shit. I'm waiting to say I'm just out. Shit. David ain't shit. Yo, I'll wear a t-shirt to say David ain't shit. shit. Nah, man. Yo, like I said, it's up to you to decide. In my life, I can tell you what it means to you and what you what role you should. All right. Okay. <laughs> Call to action. You know, ladies and gentlemen and consenting adults, thank you for joining us again for another episode of the Single Dad Why You Mad podcast. You know, we truly appreciate you. Continue to recommend us to your friends. Spread the word. Follow us on our social media. We're out here on Twitter, on Instagram. Uh, we occasionally post some videos on YouTube. We are also on all the available podcasting formats. We love and appreciate you. David? Single dad. Why the fuck are you mad? <laughs> With good fucking reason. Single dad, why you mad? Single dad, why you mad? Single dad, why are you mad? Single dad, why 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 you mad?